than how much you print that wouldn't work for a business. No, it's definitely for more of a personal use. Because I was going through, I mean, every time I had to buy ink, it was the cartridges for the, the ink jets that we had were 50 bucks each. And we would blow through one of the four different colors and we'd go through a whole cycle of them. The black we'd have, I'd have to replace like almost every month. And oh, yeah. then, uh, yeah, so this with this time when I was like, screw all ink jets, we're going laser. We're going laser, baby. And I think that for a business that makes sense. But what they realized is what you just said. If you need to print something, you go to work and print it off. They yeah. were they were totally losing the house market. So something like this, yeah, uh, they suckered me back in. And now I, I don't print that often, but they still get my five bucks a month. Yeah. So in a year, they've sold me sixty dollars worth of ink when you may or may not have used it. Exactly. But you know, one good thing about HP though is that every time you replace the cartridge, you replace the print head too. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the Epson one, one with the printer upstairs, the print head died. It got clogged, and I just couldn't. I tried everything, and finally, that was what drove me to actually get the laser printer. But we printed the bejesus on that thing for five years, so it's yeah. worth it. You got your money's worth. Oh yeah, for a. $300 printer. Welcome to Printer Talk. Yeah, uh, no doubt. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for board games, news, and information, especially out of the Bloomington, Illinois store, Red Raccoon Games. I'm John Parrott, your host, and with me today is store owner Jamie. Howdy, everybody. And gameologist Ryan. I'm night manager, thank you. Night manager! <laughs> and gameologist. Technically, yes. Sorry. And many night other things. Chief, Dive, Chief Dice Goblin. That's true. I'm working on my certification to be a dice dragon. <laughs> that, I, if you need references, please feel like you can put me down. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Draconic heritage is definitely something that you should get. <laughs> absolutely. I uh, I currently have three gemstone sets, and I'm working my way up to my hundred sets, and it'll be great. Is that when all of a sudden like light comes down from the sky, and you get to choose your chromatic color and Oh, yeah. It'll be great. Or metallic. I'm hoping it's chromatic. I know. It's probably chromatic. I don't know. Your beanie right now that has your alignment on it says otherwise. That's why I said chromatic. is just more fun. Chromatic is evil. Excuse me. Uh, It's the metallics that are good. Which, for some reason, that always confuses me. So, in case you don't know, in the podcast, we're talking about Dungeons & Dragons. Dragons have different colors. And the evil red ones are chromatic and they are red yeah uh but there are metallic dragons which are good yeah. which i always feel like metal should be more evil well there's metallic dragons and there's metal dragons so there's iron dragons and like there's a whole line of dragons that we haven't even seen in 5e that are like can detect treasure they burrow like Iron dragons are phenomenal. I definitely don't just know about iron dragons because of uh, a certain someone inflicting one upon me. Yeah. But they have charm breath. Did you know that? Excuse me, what? Charm breath. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, did they not make it into fizzbins? No. Not they, those ones. Interesting. No, they, fizzbins had the chromatics, the traditional, that your evil, you know, blue, red, white, green, black, right? Yep. And which are coincidentally all the colors of the heads from Tiamat. And then you had your classic metallics, which are gold. That's Bahamut. Well, he's the king of the the metallics. Bahamut is um, platinum. He's the platinum dragon. I thought that was paladine. Well, that's dragon. No, I'm, I'm bringing. I'm confusing Dragonlance into things again. Yeah. So you got with gold, gold paladin, uh, gold, uh, uh, copper, uh, brass, uh, silver, silver, and platinum. No, there's only one platinum dragon. Okay. Um. So it's gold, silver, copper, uh, bronze. And brass. So we, we got Which super is... nerdy right off the bat. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I'm, I'm listening to people talk about their religions and yeah. how, like, we're yeah. both this religion, but we're different sects of yeah. this religion. We believe different things. Well, and and when, it, when it comes down to it, black dragons are the best ones because they have those wicked horns. But continue. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Fizzbins introduced the gemstone dragons. Yes. Yeah. And the gemstone dragons had all sorts of new powers. Like, oh, there was a lot of psionics and things like that in there that we have never seen in, in D&D before. Um, but then there's uh, in other game systems and stuff. Yeah. So last time Ariel joined us, 
Ariel DMs for like half of the staff at Red Raccoon Games. And so I get the updates on the stories of things that Ariel has inflicted and done to all the players who are playing in her games. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to listen to. So you, you listen to, um, you know, people listen to Critical Role and you listen to Dimension 20. I yes. just listen to my staff talk about what Ariel did to them all. This is yeah. one of the perks because, you know, you get the, the down and dirty stuff where people are actually in the trenches. None of this, like, highfalutin, we do it on cam, all that jazz. Yeah, because Ryan may or may not have done something that almost resulted in a total party wipe, so. You, cl- you collapse one demiplane once, <laughs> knock out four players and yourself, and no nobody lets you forget about no it. No one lets you forget about it. She's like, I just wanted my vengeance. Let me eat the demigod's heart. <laughs> I think you've earned it. If, if you've gone that far and ready to destroy an entire realm of existence just for your revenge, take that revenge. I am a wizard, so that makes sense. That's fair. That's fair. Meddling in the powers that run the universe. Oh, yeah. So outside of our Dungeons & Dragons games that we're all playing, obviously, uh, what's been going on this week? Uh, it's been a... Interesting week. We've been having a lot of fun. Not a lot of board games this week. A lot of um, a lot of other stuff coming in, and it's been a kind of a recovery week. Um, everybody is well. I was going to say everybody's healthy, but that's not true because Jesse's not here today because um, well, he got his COVID booster. Yeah, he got his COVID booster and he's out. And and Ryan missed an uh, evening this week because she got her COVID booster and she was out and. And so, I don't know. It's been kind of a... I'm trying to not say weird. A a post-Christmas lull, as it were, possibly? It is. It is. There's been a lot of projects getting done. We discovered that we had... We grew quite a bit in 2021, and we discovered that there are definitely some growing pains that happened in the store, particularly in our online component of the store that we needed to put some new policies in place. So we created some rules there. And um, that was a really great meeting with the the Webley department. Um, And then Brittany is working through some new marketing stuff. So uh, that is launching in order to try to reach out to to find the people who are gamers who continually keep telling us that they didn't know we exist. I feel like I've been getting more Facebook ads for Red Raccoon lately. It's always fun when you're, you're spending dollars on trying to market the store and make people aware that we exist when gamers are like, I've been living in this town for 10 years and I had no idea you were here. It makes you feel great about those marketing dollars. Did you see a marketing <laughs> ad she an ad about us? No, we just happened to stumble in because we were coming downtown for something else. Brittany asks every time she's in the store on Saturdays if somebody says that it's the first time that they've been in. Yeah. And almost always they say, oh, we Googled it. Yeah, we Google game store. <laughs> so at what point are you just going to send a pair of people out from the store to visit every single door in the Bloomington Normal area and talk about the good word for Well, there's 27,000 households in Bloomington. I think that would take a while. True. Take a while. I need to I get an entire uh, platoon of interns from uh, Wesleyan or, or ISU and send them out. I don't know how many houses there are in Normal. Normal smaller than Bloomington. I'm, I'm too old. I'm, I'm not going to make it. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're too old. <laughs> I, I hope that everyone listening to this can feel the stare of disbelief as we both look at Ryan. Yeah. I'm of our 30. advanced age. Yeah, it's um, been, but no, it's, it's, it's been a good week. It's just, I, I like you said, lull. And it is, you know, this is the time of year when all retail stores are slower, but you, then you get to catch up and think about projects and review what you've done, right? Because yep. this is the time of year when people either are just getting their credit card bills from, and Christmas. it's like, yeah, what did I do last month? What, what's <laughs> happening here? But but then, you know, it's, it's now starting next week, then people will start getting their W-2 forms back and they'll get start getting their... Um, their income tax return checks back and they're going to be like, I've been eyeballing that axe for a long time and it is now mine. I did see a whole collection of the Bloodborne miniatures game in the used section for like $270. No, No, that's just one part of it. Oh, that's just one part of it. Yeah, that's that's the... There's two bundles for like $360 each. Yeah, so that's the... In the used game section, it is somebody brought in the full Kickstarter of everything that existed. And if you got the base game plus each of those two bundles, the total amount is about 720. And, but 
if you had bought it and backed the, the Kickstarter, it would have been more in the range of eight ninety or something like that. So it's a pretty good deal to get the stuff because especially if you look online, they're going for way more money. I have my whole collection on top of a shelf, and it has been unplayed for the amount of money that I put into it uh, enough to quantify that. So yeah, absolutely think that it is worth the money, though, in the short time that I've gotten to play it. If you are a fan of that series, it's... And, and the used game section is always great within Red Raccoon. I think that you can always kind of find something in there, maybe some hidden gems. Yeah, yeah, and, and a couple other things that happened this week, too, just kind of fun things, is we did our monthly board game night at Keg Grove Brewing. Uh, we love those guys. They make great beer, and then we, uh, the third Thursday of every month, we go over in the evening and set up, and we just teach board games, and it's a, it's a great group that comes of, on a regular basis. There's a lot of uh, recurring uh, folks come back every month and then we had some um, some you know great conversation with I had great conversation with a couple new people this month that had that had never been before so that was just a lot of fun nice. um, uh, one of the guys John has been one other time I didn't meet him last time and John uh, said he's one of the few people who listens to us do these podcasks what <laughs> so so hey John what? it was great talking to you the other night this He's is shocking like, information. I yeah. just assumed it was just bots that were listening to us collecting our data for the FBI. So that's fantastic. It is. It's great. Uh, and then the other thing is um, we had fun with TikTok this this week, too. So uh, we had a couple of guys who came in that had never been in the store before said that they heard us on TikTok. So that's fun. Had a, had a good time talking to them. And uh, then we, Brittany had made a TikTok uh, last Saturday. And that was, you know, kind of a fun riff on some other TikToks that are out there saying things that made sense in a game store. And one of the things that happened in that TikTok is she said, well, you know, people with brightly colored hair. And it was a, it was a, a little quick shot of Anna and Anna's got purple hair right now. And some guy on uh, uh, TikTok said, you know, I won't go to any store that has brightly colored hair. So Brittany made a response video to him, and that response video blew up and went viral yesterday <laughs> with everybody saying, if I go to a game store that doesn't have anybody with brightly colored hair, they're suspect. And, you know, what <laughs> game stores, yeah, what game, what game store is this guy shopping at? And, you know, it, it went, I was, you know, Somewhere I was boring. Yeah, I was just trying to chill on a Saturday night and jam some video games, and I couldn't figure out why my phone was dinging. Just ding, ding. And it is like the pace of the dinging accelerated until I got to the <laughs> point where I just paused the game to look to see what was happening. Yeah, it, it, it blew up. There's, there's, uh, nine, when I went to bed last night, there were 90,000 views and seven or 800 comments. I don't even know where it's at today. I haven't even looked at it. And it was just going in. That is fantastic. And it's, it's really, it was most people's like, where's this guy shopping at? I mean, you, if I go to a comic book shop and a, or a game store, I expect to see people with brightly colored hair there. So definitely, worth just getting, yeah, looking into the comments, seeing what was said enjoying the moments for what they are so Absolutely. yeah yeah so that was fun that was just something random happened this week so if you want to follow us on tiktok we're red raccoon blm uh this blm is uh, uh bloomington it's an act we shortening for bloomington that we use all the time nobody even remotely considered that it might be red raccoon black lives matter that is not what we were intending um people who live in bloomington use blm as a shortening for things all the time uh, even the fact, you know, I think most of, most people listening to this know that I'm on city council and my email is, you know, the ending of it is cityblm.org. That's like the official thing. So I, a couple of people sent me messages like, why are we trying to co-op Black Lives Matter? We did not do that. We That was not the intention whatsoever. Nobody even considered it. And I time. know that you've chased after just Red Raccoon proper, but there's someone just sitting on that account. Yeah, there's a, somebody sitting out there kind of hanging out with it and we can't get it away from them at this point so that blows we, would, we would like we would like just to have just red raccoon games would be easier when uh, one of my friends had their first kid they immediately went and tried to grab all the urls that could possibly this kid could want yeah. so that way they weren't grabbed in the future whenever that kid had to start their own first email or first twitter or things mm -hmm. along those lines so it's actually he went and reserved the account for his child uh, so that when they come of age, they can have their choice of what they want to be represented as, which I thought may, was interesting. May or may not have done that for a few of my nieces and nephews until my siblings kept 
having more children and it was getting really expensive. <laughs> I have 23 nieces and nephews right now. It's ridiculous. Holy. Yeah. You know, Kelly and I don't have any kids. My siblings made up for it. This feels like a, a parable in the making right here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever seen the opening to Idiocracy, it's a little bit like that. <laughs> Ooh, okay, I don't have a segue, but we need to get rid of uh, yeah, this conversation line real so fast. That cut dead. <laughs> Hero clicks, you know, that's connected somehow. Uh, hey. yeah, so our first news article today, I wanted to bring some awareness to Hero clicks because I feel like they're one of uh, a, a very large contingent within Red Raccoon. Oh yeah, uh, some very dedicated players, but we don't talk much about them because. And oddly, it's just consistently good from what I hear. We never really hear bad news coming out of Heroclix that I've seen or people like raging against it or anything along those lines. I know that there are ups and downs like with any game, but yeah. they have announced that the next set uh, coming from the Marvel Universe will be the uh, War of the Realms set yeah. from the four comic books. So, so Heroclix, just for anybody who doesn't know is a minis game that is based for the most part on Marvel and DC superheroes and comic books. And it is, um, you know, a minis tactics games. You, you have uh, different figures that are worth a different amount of points. You move them around the board. There's some basic rules and then a, you know, a million ways that the superheroes can violate those rules with whatever their superpower happens to be. And, and yeah, we've got a great community at the store. They've been, they've, you know, they've been here, for, God, I don't even know, as long as I've owned the store. Um, it's just a good group of guys that enjoy spending time and hanging out with each other and just playing some games. And, and they play every Thursday night. And then a lot of Saturdays as well. And, and and they just enjoy the sets and they enjoy stuff as they're coming out. And so, yeah, War of the Realms, giant crossover summer series, right? Um, Thor, all the Thor bad guys, all the stuff from Thor's history. It felt like they've drug out like almost every bad guy from Thor. And they said, what happens if they all attack at the same time? All led by Malik, who was played by Christopher Ellickson in the movies of Thor: The Dark World. Uh, he was that character is supposedly in the series, kind of running the whole thing. He is the head of the evil group of villains. Yeah. So for just a they, little relation to the MC. Yeah, uh, they tried to take MCU. out Odin, and uh, they failed to kill Odin. They almost killed uh, Frigga, which is Thor's mom, uh, but. Uh, she was saved right at the last second by Loki. Um, but they also brought in, yeah, everybody. And so for the superhero side of it, it's all of the heroes from every Thor movie you saw, uh, joined by Captain America and Spider-Man because a large part of the battle on Earth was set in New York City. So every superhero that's based out of New York City, including uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist and Daredevil, um, you know, tying those back to the MCU, that would be out of the Netflix series, right? Mm -hmm. They were involved in the action, even Namor and Ghost Rider, and they, I mean, they drug in everybody for this one, and it was just kind of an all-out throwdown fight, um, and including Jane, uh, had the hammer, became her version of Thor along yes. the way. Yeah. Which, spoilers for the next Thor movie, is going to be a... Thor Love element. and Thunder? Yes. Looking forward to this. Does anyone not know? <laughs> I think that there are people that that try and choose not to know, and I definitely did not give enough time for them to pause the podcast and skip five seconds. And I apologize <laughs> if I've just ruined that for you. But again, testament to which that's I think that's May. It's coming soon. It's it's this year. Mm -hmm. That'll be fun. Which one thing I always have loved about Hero Clicks is first of all the affordability of them. Because mm -hmm. they're, they're blind boxes, but they're not super expensive. And the quality of them are pretty good. But the other thing is that there's such a mix and match component to it. There are sets not only for DC and Marvel, but also for other universes as well. Like, there's Star Trek. There's I don't think there's Star Wars. But I know no. that they did Orville, which is a, a spinoff, not spinoff, but like a parody. homage, a parody to Star Trek. Mm -hmm. uh, they have done... There was a Yu-Gi-Oh set. There was a Yu-Gi-Oh set. They There's did. some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff going on. Yep. They actually did. They went back and did Justice League, uh, the animated series, 
that was running for a few years. So that had its own entire continuity. They had yeah. a whole series that was just based on Batman, the animated series. Yep. Which has a completely different style, which makes it very interesting to look at in comparison. Oh, yeah. yeah, very much so. they try and mimic what you saw out of this particular genre. So you can have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fighting against Lex Luthor. Like, that is completely possible within the Hero Clicks world. Um, and the group does a really good job of mixing it up and keeping things interesting too. They will go and when you know when a new set drops, they will say we are going to do a uh, a blind box draft. Everybody buys two blind boxes, and then you build your best team out of the blind box, and you you play it. Other times they'll do throwbacks and say bring in whatever characters that you have that are based on this theme. So some of the themes might be they have to have a keyword that that makes them part of a team. So you can only use somebody who's on a team. They've done events where there's somebody who's you can't have anybody who's ever been on a team that are solo people. Just tons of different combinations. Sometimes they'll say, okay, this week you have to buy one blind box, but you can also bring in 100 points of other characters from home to add to the blind box. And, you know, you never know what you're going to get in the blind box, but, um, you know, you're trying to balance your, 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 your group out and run tournaments. And, yeah, it's just a great group of guys. We, we enjoy when they come in hanging out. Uh, I like the fact that they're always, you know, ridiculously polite to staff, and they're just there's good people. It's it's cool. There's we've had some new players join recently, and and the guys are bringing them up to speed. And often I'll see like, hey, I was looking for this character, but I don't have one at home. Does anybody have one I can borrow from the night? And people are like, I got one. I'll bring it in for you. And really, just a lot of fun. So every Thursday and most Saturdays. So. I think that's an important part that sometimes we don't get to talk about too much because it's almost impolite to bring up in the moment. But I kind of want to go ahead and take a tangent here, and that is kind of game store etiquette when it comes to events like this. Because from what you're saying, these events that they run, you know, you get a blind box and you open up there. That is creating that symbiotic relationship with the store where they have a safe place where they can come, they can play with their friends, they can enjoy their time together, but at the same time, they're not just coming to play in the space, they're also supporting the store by doing these blind box buys where if, as long as they're buying something from the store, it, it increases the value for them because they're here at the store and they're getting this space, but also for you, by having them, you're getting some of that readback awards as well. And I know that that is sometimes not always the case. Well, that's why you implemented the table fees the yeah. way that you did. Well, I think a lot of times people forget that the space in a store that is set aside for gameplay still has a cost associated with that. It's part of our rent we pay every month. It's part of you know heating and cooling and electricity, and it's part of staff having to clean that space after events are over. So there is a real cost to every store that dedicates any space to have play space. And we started really kind of looking at that space and, and evaluating it. And we realized that there was a, a good percentage of people who were buying things and supporting the store to, to help us make the rent and pay for those utilities and stuff. But there was a percentage of people who were not shopping at the store and just coming in and expecting to be able to play for free all the time. And so um, we had done a lot of evaluations and run a lot of numbers. And we discovered that well, we, we implemented a table fee, and it's, it's been pretty common across the United States. You know, game stores, um, we owners, we talk on forums and stuff on a regular basis, and a, a lot of places have implemented table fees now. And the way that ours works is if you're shopping at the store, you earn coupons that offset the table fees. So the HeroClix guys, when they come in, by buying a booster, uh, one of the blind booster packs, they earn a coupon that lets them play at the store for free. And if they buy two packs, well, they've got a coupon for this week and they've got a coupon for next week. Um, the same thing with the Warhammer guys. If they buy a big box for a new release, and some of the Warhammer boxes, you know, are 200 bucks, uh -huh. well, that just earned them like enough coupons to play at the store for free for like six months. Like, and, you're set, dude. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, you're good for a while. And, uh, and, and 
you know, when we we presented like, hey, this is what we're doing. If you keep buying at the store, you get to play for free at the store. But if you don't buy at the, at, at the store, you've got to help pay for some of the costs. And, and it's five bucks to play for a, a night. And most people were like, yeah, that seems fair. And the, the few people that got really mad at us about it, it's like, I'm never coming back to the store. We looked and they hadn't been really actually shopping at the store anyway. So we we kind of fired the people who were just kind of freeloading on the resources of the store and just expecting to be able to come in and bring all their stuff and play for free. And in all honesty, we looked down the list of the customers who, who stopped coming or who yelled at us on social media. And then we talked to staff and they were also some of the customers who weren't very polite to staff and were not great to deal with to start with anyway. There was a lot of um, kind of negative um, toxicity, toxic behaviors there and, and everything. And so we were like, unexpected side bonus. We got rid of some people <laughs> who were bad to, bad to our staff. So, but it, it works out pretty well overall. You know, it's, you can't expect to go to Starbucks and just sit there for free. You know, you buy a coffee, then you sit down and you enjoy yourself. You go to Denny's, you buy dinner, then you can hang out and talk to people. And, uh, you know, the, the game store is the same way. If you support us, we will support you and make sure that you have fun and, and a clean environment while you're there. And have the perks of having available snacks and drinks and things along those lines. You're, you're providing a premium experience for playing games. That is our absolute goal is to make sure that everybody feels welcome and safe and secure. And and maybe there's days that, you know, uh, you, you, could you play the games at your house? Absolutely. Of course you can. You know, and some people have a great space to do that in. And, and other people are just like... I don't feel like cleaning up. I'm not cleaning up to have people come over this week. And we all have those moments. And and so we want the, you know, it's it's kind of this idea of, um, you see it referred to a lot as third space. And it's someplace else where you can go and be secure and feel safe and, and just enjoy yourself. And, uh, you know, and some people just have kind of tiny places that they live right now, too, because they don't want to pay for a lot of stuff. So exactly. Yeah. yeah, it works out pretty good. We enjoy and we we generally speaking, we 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 enjoy our customers. We have great time. We had fun talking to them yesterday. Ryan said at one point to me, she's like, I thought you were leaving an hour ago. Well, I was, except for then I started talking to some of the customers that were in there and just catching up with them, to see how they were doing. And yeah, it was fun. So you never know what's going to happen in the game store. It's very rare that anybody is ever rude to me, which is nice. Yeah. Well, we had we had people like that when I first bought the store, and we have done a good job of encouraging them to go to other places. <laughs> which I appreciate. Politely. Yeah. <laughs> Forcefully, well, but politely. Yes. Yes. Well, that's why I have Jamie do it instead of me. Because yeah. it will not be polite if I have to do it. <laughs> Ryan brain down the hammer. Well, I got yelled at by a guy yesterday who um, unfriended me on social media because I just asked him to pull his mask up over his nose, right? We're still in the middle of an Omicron um, you know, spike here in the area, and we, we try to make sure that all customers and all staff members are as safe as we can possibly make them. Like we talked about before, I bought big, giant air filtration system units, and you know, we've done all these things to try to be as safe as we possibly can. And, uh, and it, it's not perfect, obviously, since, um, you know, I got Omicron uh, right after Christmas. And, but it's, you know, it, just a simple thing of like, hey, you know, do me a favor, pull your mask up over your nose. And he got mad and threw his mask on the floor and stomped out of the store. And then uh, I noticed last night he unfriended me on social media, too. And I'm, My bad, I didn't realize he was your friend. <laughs> but, but that's why... Why, I mean, how, I don't know, right? I, I struggle with this idea that this is such a divisive thing that that's the behavior he was going to ask. I mean, and I'm like, well, how good of a friend was he really if this is how he's going to behave? Because I asked him to pull his mask over his nose. I, I don't know. I, I struggle with people who are in these absolute extremes of, you know, and and, and we're trying to build community here. And part of community is taking care of each other as well, right? Exactly. So, yeah. And one thing that Rhetorican does very well is try and take care of the people that patronage as well as invest in the store. 
And that's one of the reasons I just wanted to talk about, you know, store etiquette, because I think that sometimes I can get lost uh, in, in not only just being polite to staff who are there to help make your experience great, to making sure that you're allowing the store to remain open and a safe, clean, and fun environment for not just you, but for everybody as well. Yeah. Yes. And I'll just add one last thing is part of store etiquette is also going home and taking a shower after work before you come <laughs> to the store. If you need to, if you work in an environment like that, I've had to have some of those conversations, not very often, I think maybe five in eight years. So it doesn't happen very often. Um, but yeah, yeah. We don't mind delaying the game for 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah, give us a holler. Hey, I need to run for a quick shower. I oh, will hold it for you. We'll yep. And I know that uh, many people are, are probably saying, well, you know, I, I can just play board games at home. That's fine. Uh, but especially with our digital tools that we have available to us right now, uh, it's really easy to try and do that and, and schedule that. However, we experienced something this past week within the digital board game space that was actually somewhat interesting. Uh, Pandemic, which is a huge game, much yeah. loved even before it became weirdly relevant to today's society uh, it released a digital version of itself and it was on Steam and it was out there for people to buy and then mysteriously disappeared for yeah. purchase. So Pandemic is a four player cooperative game where you play CDC researchers running around the world trying to stop viruses before you lose an area, right? Before and an outbreak. Yeah, before an outbreak, which, yeah, you're, it got crazy popular yep. at the beginning of 2020, where everybody was stuck at home because of a pandemic and wanted to play pandemic. It was like, it was, I don't know, some weird irony or something to the point where we sold out of all the copies we had. And then we're like, we'll just go over some more. And we couldn't. Maybe it was more of a trying to get a sense of control. And like, if we can make fun of it, it's not as bad yeah. in yeah. some weird way. It, it, it could be, yeah, maybe. I don't know what happened there. Um, and I played the digital version of it. It was all right. It was not bad, you know. And um, I have some digital versions of games uh, that I sometimes you're, I often end up playing them like laying in bed before I fall asleep at night. Mm -hmm. Can't even tell you how many rounds of Splendor I've played versus the computer AI. And then you set your phone on the nightstand and you turn your light off and you go to sleep, right? Right. Uh, except for people were like, hmm, pandemic, gone, can't get it anymore. What's going on? So Asmodee was relatively silent about it for quite some time and then released this week a message of that pandemic was kind of reaching the end of its digital life cycle, uh, being able to keep up with modern technologies and also wanting to make it feel like a polished experience that is up to par with current games, they decided to delist it on places like Steam and Microsoft and the other outlets where you could get the game which I found to be very interesting because that's not something that you ever actually have to do with a physical board game. But yeah. trying to adopt these into the digital spaces, this is the first time, and maybe there's other instances of this, where that hurdle is something that I don't think people have planned on. That's eventually. also that's fascinating to me because especially in spaces like Steam, you're not necessarily always competing about like what is the most polished thing, what is the most like perfect game especially in like for the triple a arena for instance like there are lots of titles that are like one person indie developers that take off Absolutely. and they don't necessarily have to be the best game ever made but if there's something that people connect with that works out so it's fascinating to me that they ended up delisting it but i wonder if that's part of their whole being acquired thing by such a prolific company. And that is an excellent point, because as we've talked about previously in this you know, podcast, I didn't think about that. Asmodee is being a sought after being bought by a investment group uh, that they could be kind of battening down the hatches for some major changes in the future. Yeah, it's the investment group that owns THQ Nordic. Yeah. I can't ever remember the name of the investment group, but it's they own THQ Nordic, which is what most people are going to know them by is one of the bigger brands that they have. So my, my thought is that maybe they want it to, or if they're going to put a game out, do they want it to stand up in the lineup? Well, I, I have I have two thoughts on it. Um, you know, I think that the the bigger 
posit that John made is, you know, you just, nobody can take away your board game, right? Yeah. And it's, it's an interesting thing uh, in a digital society. It's one of the reasons why I have resisted buying um, movies on digital platforms because a lot of digital platforms have just gone away. Oh, yeah. And then you just lose whatever you bought there. And I can't tell you that there's been games. Oh, for instance, I used to have a Microsoft phone. And games I bought and apps I bought for the Microsoft phone, well, that ecosystem is gone. From one of the biggest companies on the planet, it's just gone, no longer relevant. And and that's happened in the past. So um, I don't buy a lot of movies and stuff. I will buy the Blu-ray or the, the 4K, and then I can rip it myself into a format to, to use whatever I want to digitally. Yeah. Um, so the, I... Where I was going with that is, as you know, when when you've got a board game, you, you just get to keep playing the board game. You just get to have it at your house, and whenever you want, you pull it out and you can play the game, right? Yeah. There's also a weirdly uh, rarity element to some board games as well, because I know that there's board games that I've gone to people's houses to play, and I'm instantly fascinated by this game. I've never seen it before. I've never heard it before. I look online. You will never own it. <laughs> exactly. Because either it is no longer in production or, and if that's the case, the ones that are online are hundreds of dollars more than I would ever purchase for a board game, but it has become a classic or, yeah. or out of print, much like sometimes books uh, mm-hmm. that you kind of just hope there might be another edition where you can pick it up. So a a digital game is never going to have that experience. I'm never going to be able to show off a digital game probably and say, oh, I, while the people who have bought Pandemic still have the Pandemic um, video game to this day, uh, there's not going to be a time where they can show it off on their shelf or anything along those lines. Yeah. If if I had to guess what's going on, here's what I think has happened. And and, and this is my guess, right? Um, In the earlier-ish days of digital board games going online, a lot of times a publisher licensed someone else to make their game, take their IP and create an online version of that game. Um, One of the games for, and, and then that publisher only has the license for a certain period of time. The, the game developer, to make the game, as a, for instance, one of the games that happened to me with was um, a version of Carcassonne, where somebody had licensed the game and had made it, and they made a decent version of Carcassonne, but then they lost the license to continue to make it. So I, it was actually a version, um, you know, a, a cell phone version, and I got a new phone and I went to redownload Carcassonne and it's no longer on the store. You know, my old phone I still had and Carcassonne still worked there, but you, I couldn't download it to the new phone because that developer had lost the license to make Carcassonne. I think that um, we, one, we might have seen that could be part of the factor that whoever built the game, whatever developer lost that license. And my second speculation that ties into that is. Uh, Catan disappeared a couple years ago and nobody noticed I don't think that Catan disappeared but Catan was replaced with a mobile version called Catan Worlds that had Catan plus all the expansions of Catan so you could get Catan and then inside the game they tried to sell you an upgrade for each of the various expansions to Catan I wonder if we're going to see Pandemic Worlds and we're gonna have you buy Pandemic for the phone and then you're also going to be offered, okay, now we have Pandemic Hot Zone, we have Pandemic Hot Zone North America, Hot Zone Europe, we have all these versions of Pandemic. Legacy, season zero, season one, season two. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to see them try to wrap it all into something where they can try to sell people all the DLC for all the various versions of Pandemic that they've made. What about, um, you know, there was Pandemic Iberia, which was set during the Spanish flu. There was pandemic, uh, pandemic Cthulhu, right? So all these different versions, $2 for this one, $5 for that one, $3 for this one. So get those sweet, sweet microtransactions. When do we yeah. get pandemic D&D where we have uh, slot infestations and mind flare tadpoles? And- Why someone has not made, wow, what was it? In, in World of Warcraft, there was a contagion that broke out in game. The raid. 
there was a, a section of the game where if, if you entered this this section, you immediately got a debuff uh, that I think was like perpetually hurting you. Yeah, it and, was spread through people's um, summonable pets. So when they brought them back out in town, it didn't go away. And it actually was spreading to other people who then touched those animals. It was actually a very interesting case study. The, the WHO, the World Health Organization, wanted to do a study on how it was transmitted between all of the cities within uh, World of Warcraft. Uh, there was people that were like just donating their time healing people within the game to keep their characters alive, to do stuff. Uh, and it was fascinating. And why that has not... When World of Warcraft came out with a pandemic, I believe they came out with a pandemic version and it wasn't about that, that broke my heart. And why there has not been a D&D campaign that I've seen about a contagion hitting the land still baffles me even before COVID. Because it's an element of narrative justice that we have never seen. It'd be very interesting. And I wonder if something like that is maybe in the works, but maybe we won't see it for a little bit. Just give, give some time to breathe. There was, yeah. there was like, the spell plague, yeah. but it was not the same thing. It would only affect magic. It didn't affect everybody and everything. Yeah. Every time every time Meister is in danger, life what gets was, hard. The spell plague was going from 2nd edition to 3rd edition or 3rd to 3.5? 3rd uh, um, to 3.5, wasn't it? No. Spell plague was relatively recently. I believe it was actually in 4th edition. I think it was 3 to 4. 3.5 to 4? Yeah. Okay. Because every time they've changed versions of D&D, there's always been a major event that has happened to the Forgotten Realms that, that caused... You know, it was kind of the storyline of why we're changing things. And we, we get new classes and we get new um, introduction of new factions and the world has changed and magic, how it behaves, changes differently and stuff like that. So The joke is that Maestro dies every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, uh, you know, this uh, big, th big thing coming out this week is the new D&D &D set. Uh, the mm -hmm. Extended Rules Trilogy drops this week. And we're seeing some of those changes kind of happening in 5th edition, you know, kind of. It's just uh, n not necessarily the same sort of major event happening there, but uh, kind of an event happening inside of our rules books as we go along. And uh, some people are mad. And we've talked about it a little bit before. There's been a lot of errata. And so we're getting a new, kind of a newer version of... Tasha's uh, Cauldron of Everything, mm -hmm. a new version of Xanathar's a Guide to Everything. And then the new book. And then the new book, Morden Caden's Monsters of the Multiverse. And we talked about this on a couple podcasts ago where a lot of it has to do with removing of um, the... Inherent evil. Inherent evil, yeah. Just because you're a... A certain race or certain species does not mean you are inherently evil. You know, bad and things and evil things are a culture that the culture you live in might inflict on you. But just because you're the type of creature you are does not make you inherently evil. Yep. So we're seeing reimagining of a lot of different creatures and races and stat blocks and stuff. And that will come out in the new books that come out Tuesday. Indeed. The, what is, what is, what's the date Tuesday? The 29th? 29th, right? 28th. 28th is next Friday. Mm, well, it's Tuesday. You're, you're jumping. Uh, it'll be the 25th. Okay. It, it's a weird release day. Um, and truly, Watsi made a mistake because we can now just refer to Monsters of the Multiverse as, well, Mom said this. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Um, so, and just so I, I'm not aware of this, the updated versions of Tasha's and Xanathar's, do they have the new rules already printed into the books, or is it just another another copy of it with a different cover what is from what i understand and maybe jamie knows better i thought that tasha's and xanathar's both had some erotic changes but not nearly as much as the original morton can that's my understanding too and and we we got them to the store they're here right now and none of us has had time to really sit down and pour through any of the books because that would be cheating because they don't go on sale till Tuesday. Um, and so... I did a quick glance over the Yuan T uh, in Monster of the Multiverse okay. because I was curious about how they wrote some stuff. 
Um, but it looks like their playable races have very limited uh, text on them. It's very much just a collection of stat blocks. Um, so I wouldn't get too worried about that. Yeah. And then the, 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 the set that's coming out is a three-book set with a new DM screen. Uh, the artwork on the books and the artwork on the DM screen is amazing. And yes. this will be the only printing with an alternate cover, if you like the alternative covers for the books, of the Morden Kanan's uh, Monsters of the Multiverse. And, and they're all embossed and feel phenomenal. Yeah, they're so pretty. So pretty. So we're all so stoked. Cute. I mean, like, I think the whole first few cases of them just went to staff as everybody's like, yoink, set this aside for me. But in a few months, Mordekane's Monsters of the Multiverse will be its own standalone book with a normal with cover. With a normal cover, yeah. Yep. In May. Yes. In May. And so it, if you have the other covers, and, and there are people we, we found that some people have all the alternate covers and only want the alternate covers, and other people are of the opinion of, I missed the first few because I wasn't playing D&D yet, so therefore I want only all the standard covers. And that is actually where I am, and Ryan actually helped me get a little bit closer to that dream as we traded books the other day. Uh, I had an alternate Theros, and she didn't, so we made well, a trade. I actually had one, but because I appreciate someone a great deal, I gave mine to them, so... Look at that. That's very cool. Yeah. So it, it, it's interesting, too, because as a tie-in to all this, and it kind of ties back to the digital conversation we were just having, John, you you sent an article out to us that showed that um, the D&D Beyond system, which is a way to... It's a bunch of tools that you can use um, to play digital D&D with that is continuing to evolve. Um, they made a bunch of changes to their system that reflect all the errata and all the new rules. I noticed the other day that the alignment block is just missing because I was looking at one of my characters to say, um, you know, based on a decision that was coming up in the game, I'm like, did I make this character chaotic good or neutral good? And I couldn't remember, and I went to look, and it's gone. And so... So I played the character however I wanted, which I guess was part of the point exactly. uh, of, of some of the changes that they're made. But, you know, that's the way we could. And Ryan said, you know, we were talking that that's the way we've always been able to play. You've always been able to decide what's important to your campaign, what's important to your table of people you're playing with. Um, so but there's a bunch of people who are freaking out yeah. and I don't I don't know. I don't get it. I think alignment is a useful tool. But the way that people have been, and I think this is kind of why it came up, how people lean on it is probably why it's going away. Um, because on the one hand, yes, you can get very black and white with it. You can be very like, oh, this is a very chaotic, neutral thing to do. This is a very lawful, evil thing to do. Where in reality, not everything that you do as a lawful evil character is going to be lawful evil. You're going to have those moments where, as a character, it is better for you to veer this way, or it's going to make more sense if you develop this way, or your character arc goes completely differently. You could have a chaotic, uh, good character who, despite all of their best attempts has made horrible decisions from that. A few, a few uh, natural ones can really change what your character is actually doing for the world around him, oh, whether yeah. he wants it to be or not. Believe uh, me, I've wiped a few towns off the map on complete accident. <laughs> or dim my planes, as you've talked about. Although that, that was on purpose. Was technically on purpose. The result was just. Not something I had thought ahead to. <laughs> so as I brought up D&D Beyond on my phone as we're talking, uh, alignment is hidden away. It used to be, if I remember correctly, one of the first things you had to kind of choose. It was in the top with the... Character. Yeah, it was, a, it was up at the top as part of the bar with the you know, armor class and, and initiative and all that sort of stuff. You now have to get into the description, and it is underneath characteristics okay. of the character. Okay. Uh, and so it is on the same level of just... Uh, gender, eye color, size, height, faith, all of that. Yeah. Uh, and I think Ideals that... Ideals and flaws. <laughs> exactly what I was going to get to is, I think the correction that they tried to make with that is the ideals, flaws, and bonds, in the sense that that gives a much more robust idea of a character instead of just, you know, this three-by-three three grid that you could fit your character into. Yeah. Um, which I, I completely 
understandably agree with and I don't no one's stopping you from using alignment it's still there it's still an option to put in on this map or if you just write up your own character sheet you can always include it yeah and um, I, D&D has always been a game about making choices right exactly. you know I, I had a mom in on Saturday and her 10 year old son is interested in D&D and she's like I don't even understand what we're talking about here and I said look I said D&D is just interactive storytelling you know you play one character that exists in the world and I as the DM will tell you what the world does around you you know and it can be as simple as you're walking on a path in the forest and 50 yards in front of you a grizzly bear comes out of the forest and steps on the path and looks at you what's your character do and the decisions you you make decisions for what your character would do then i tell you how the world reacts and it could be a difference of between the the grizzly bear wanders off to go do something else or maybe somebody tried to shoot the bear and all they really did was made it mad and then it charges at you and it's those decisions and you know and she's like oh that makes a lot more sense of what's going on here and you know she's like and i got asked about um the kind of some of the old rumors like satanic panic and and type of stuff and witchcraft right witchcraft has been there are people that have boycotted some of the magic aspects of dnd and i i said it's it's a it's an interactive storytelling people can make it as light and fluffy or as dark and gritty as they want to as they go along and it's not it's just a tool set yeah. you know it's uh the tool can be used for whatever you want it to use for and and there are people who have taken it in bad places and there but most people don't most people most people play characters that are inherently some form of good i think one people of like the, being the hero. yeah everybody wants to be the hero i think that's part of being human i, I like to be the evil wizard <laughs> obviously <laughs> Uh, I think one of the disadvantages of D&D being so popular is the fact that it is not the most easily accessible RPG game. Uh, that I think many people say, oh, well, everybody knows D&D, so it must be the easiest way to get into it, when actually there's so many great other RPGs, games run by the Powered by the Apocalypse system, like City of Mist or Atomic Robo. Magical um, Kitties. Magical Kitties is an excellent way to kind of get the mindset. So... I always tell people, if you want to play Dungeons & Dragons, it's not playing Rock, Paper, Scissors. There's other games that play Rock, Paper, Scissors. Dungeons & Dragons plays Rock, Paper, Scissors, Lizard, Spock. Because uh, there's these other elements that all of a sudden add a level of complexity to the game that you might not be ready for. And maybe there's some better entry points to, to get into the system. I do want to say one thing to the developers of D&D Beyond, who obviously listen to this podcast, but oh, yeah. I, I want to give them props for just the logic that they have to endure in creating these things. Because I know they work so hard to do so many cool things, and then the writers of Dungeons & Dragons are like, okay, guys, now we're going to create a magical college, and people are going to have schools, so we're going to need that on the character sheet, and everybody must groan when they first hear that in the developer circle, because it adds a level of complexity now <laughs> that they have to... Like, they just figured out backpacks. They just made it so that you can actually have a backpack on your character sheet that you can open up and put things in and have like a total weight for your backpack. So when you drop your backpack, you drop the weight. But now it's like, that is an amazing thing for a developer who's working with logic-based things like that. And I know that every time something like this comes out, it seems like a simple toggle on the D&D character sheet, but actually it is hours upon hours of work of dedicated developers. And Meanwhile. I give them all props. Meanwhile, over on Roll20, we're just sitting there just like, come on, breathe, breathe. <laughs> just please, work, just like, please, just, please just show God. people this room, please. Yeah. Why is it all black? I don't know why it's all black. This, that may have been a conversation that John and I had just the other night. John yeah. plays in a game that, that I was running, and Roll20 was not behaving well. And we figured out what was going on. And oh. it was a stupid setting, a stupid toggle for lighting, and in a weird place, but we solved it. You First, should tell Ariel, because she's mad. It, 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 we still all got kicked out of the out of the system probably four or five times. <laughs> My character now has access to the entire map. I didn't explore the entire map, but I can see everything now, and I'm not the owner of the map, so... 
Oh, no. Yeah, that's they not as lighting. cool. Luckily, John's not telling everybody exactly what he can see where they're going on the map. I'm, I'm but, trying to be nice. You know, and it's 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 one of those things, too, is, is D&D Beyond is a cool platform. I just wish that Watsy wasn't setting it up where... I wish Watsy would set it up where D&D Beyond was a tool that wasn't in direct conflict with game stores. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it'd be so easy that if somebody bought a physical copy of the book to just have a scratch-off code that we handed them that unlocked the same book in D&D Beyond. Um, but that's not what they've chosen to do, and... You know, it, it'd be it'd be ridiculously easy, but they've they've kind of set D and D Beyond up to be a almost where it's against game stores' best interest to even talk about it. Um, you know, there's a lot of cool free tools on there, but ultimately D and D Beyond markets to you pretty hardcore to buy your book as a digital version of the book instead of the physical version of the book. And um, you know, I think we talked about earlier too. I still have second edition and third edition and 3.5 and fourth edition books at home that work perfectly fine. I was just sitting on a couch in my attic uh, reading through second edition books, uh, you know, about the Undermountain and going, oh, this part was awesome. I remember playing this in college. And you can't do that on digital platforms because they may or may not disappear. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, a, you know, the world has not, I think publishers are tr- almost trying to double dip or... I don't know if somebody at Wizard of the Coast wants you to only buy digital versions of the book because they make more money. They didn't have to physically print it and ship it. Um, but I think that if they made the two things work hand in hand as a partnership, they could have such a more in, engrossing experience and really to bring people along to say, buy the physical copy of the book and look at all these other tools that we're going to engage you with as we, as we go along. So... And I think one of the advantages I always dreamed of D&D Beyond having is whenever there's a new book, they automatically put in the new rules. And from the sound of it, with this multiverse, that's not going to be what occurs. So it begs the question, what's what's the real difference? Yeah. However, that is a lot of complications of playing games and being digital. But let's talk about what's actually new, what you can be playing in the physical space. And so we're going to look towards the new hotness of Red Raccoon. And the first can thing... Can I actually steal this real fast? Yes. We got in the Taldor Reborn books. Yes. That was uh, an excellent segue. <laughs> Much better segue. Ryan's been very happy all week. Oh, yeah. It's been great. Speaking of witchcraft, blood magic. <laughs> um, so for those who are not aware of what we're talking about, we've often referenced Critical Role, the video cast slash podcast slash TV show slash upcoming cartoon series. Um, and we are Critical Role partners as part of the Ta- uh, Darrington Press Guild at Red Raccoon Games. And we new content all for Ryan. Yep. <laughs> that's that's just really aimed for it. Absolutely. Exactly. Everything that is Critical Role basically comes immediately to me. And then I guess also to share with everybody else. <laughs> Ryan's very kind and lets other people have stuff as well. So we actually sold through um, our first shipment of the Taldori Reborn uh, books uh, this morning. Oh, the last one went out? Last one went out. Well, never mind. This is a horrible segue for what's in the new hotness if it's not in the new hotness. We will be getting more. I already ordered more. Fair enough. So, you know. um, But it is 150 pages more than the original Taldori guide. Um, It has seven new subclasses that you can use in D&D, including Blood Magic, which is why I was talking about it earlier. Um, both for wizards and um, clerics. Um, and then there is the blighted circle for druids. And that is just for the subclasses. There is also like crime, government, and um, general society for all of the cities of Teldore that are featured in the, in the book, which is a painstakingly amount of detail that I am amazed by. But it is a phenomenal uh, steal for fifty dollars, and we will get be getting more back in as soon as possible. Excellent. Yeah. By the time you are hearing this, we probably have already actually gotten more copies in because I went 
oh man, there's not very many left. I'm gonna order now. And along the way, I ordered more trinket pins because we sold out of trinket pins as well. And we got some other of the character pins. Ryan guided me through to make sure that I ordered all of the stuff that she wanted and then was gonna maybe allow people to share with other people after the fact as well. I'm so glad you were there to support that. I tried yeah. my best. Unfortunately, we can't get sad wizard pins because they're sold out, but soon. Yeah. Someday. Soon. So the other big release that came out this week that has me excited was the Lost Ruins of Arnak expansion. Yes. I, I also took a look at that. Yeah. I've nerded out about that one a lot. I've, I think we've talked, talked about this quite a bit in the game. It's uh, our Lost Ruins of Arnak is a deck building game that uses the deck to drive a worker placement game. Um, and it's kind of set in a 1920s... Almost themed a little bit like if you've watched the new uh, The Rock uh, Jungle Cruise yeah. on uh, Disney. It's almost set kind of in that world of we're kind of still in, we've got airplanes and trains and stuff, but we not a lot of, ret- no, no computer technology at all. No, and I think a lot of people are going to say, well, maybe that's Indiana Jones-like, and that's not really the flavor either. You're not... I think it's almost before Indiana Jones. It's more like Alan Quartermain, if you're familiar with that. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, where it's more about exploration uh, of a world than it is really about trying to fight for relics or anything along those lines. Yeah, and so the new expansion is the Expedition Leaders. And Expedition Leaders, what that does is uh, the base game of Lost Ruins of Arnak, everybody starts with the exact same deck of cards. And the Expedition Leaders, um, you have different leaders you can choose from and you get a different player board and a different deck of cards to start with so now it's a little bit more of an asynchronous game uh, to start with different ways and then it adds a bunch of new relics and a bunch of new locations and a bunch of new artifacts you can get and new assistants there's just basically it's more of everything Mm -hmm. to add to your lost ruins of arnak game so I am stoked, and I, I, I can't wait to get that one to the table. Something Ryan and I talked about before we recorded was the new Street Fighter release, which is out on yeah. the table, so you can see these amazing minis. They are, are ridiculously detailed. Yeah. It's fantastic. They even did the eyes correctly, which is fascinating to me. And uh, it's got destructible terrain. Oh, I didn't know that. So as you're fighting, if you throw somebody into some crates or stuff like that, you're supposed to break the crates up and have the pieces. And there's like Guile's uh, Guile's, uh, uh, jam box is in there, too. Oh, interesting. That he always has in all the games and everything. That's in there, and it's destructible as well. So So I know that the the current set uh, has... It's a skirmish game, but there are a lot of different modes. So you can do 2v2. There's some, like, tag-out abilities as well, variations that you can play. So if you're a fan of Street Fighter or just fighting games, I think it's an amazing The minis are also big. They're huge. They're not, like, D&D-size minis. They're at least twice as big. They're, like, a large creature in Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. 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 And they're all also fully painted. Yeah. Beautifully painted. Yeah. With these special effects for the Hadouken, or no... Uh, Ryukin? Ryukin! Is that what it... No, I said that wrong. Ryukin. There we go. I knew that I had that first letter off. Uh, uh, Chun-Li is doing, like, an amazing kick. Uh, Dalsim is throwing fire in his fists. It's... No, not Dalsim. Saga. Sorry. Yeah. Wow, really had to pull from some uh, 90s knowledge there. Um, Also, expansion, big box expansion for Journeys in Middle-Earth, which I know you and your wife really enjoy quite a bit absolutely uh if you can get that and and, uh, enjoy like having kind of a companion app like on an ipad it is an amazing game tons of exploration uh you really it doesn't follow any of the stories from the movies so you are getting new content it's kind of set between the hobbit and the lord of the rings is my understanding and it it doesn't just it's much like uh some of the mansions of madness games where uh, when you're playing it, it's not always just one thing. So it's not just you being on the board, exploring a land. Sometimes it's I'm inside a, a hut, and one of these people is my contact, but I have to suss out who the contact is before the bad people figure out who the suspect is, or the my contact is. So you're doing, like, deduction games and using your skills in that way as well. So there's a lot of ingenuity that goes into and that. And this expansion is called uh, Spreading War, and it adds in... You're basically... You go to Rohan, and you go to Gondor in this one too 
and uh, Ben was like, they, they added Oliphants to the game. So <laughs> yes, there is Oliphant a, miniature. A very, well, not much of a miniature. It's very big. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the other game that I wanted to put out a shout-out for Ariel, because she talked to me about it, is The Adventures of Robin Hood. Uh, which apparently has a narrative element to it. There's a 216-page book that goes with it. Uh, there are campaign like sets, a uh, campaign that you actually follow, and uh, there's a modular board of some sort so that you can flip over pieces. So you know that I have to go here because there's a guy and a horse, but you can flip that piece for another campaign so that it's just bare ground. So you set up the board at the very beginning, and then you can explore it. And actually, I believe it's following the true narrative of Robin Hood. It's got some legacy aspects to it as well. So things that you've that. explored continue to stay revealed throughout the future games as you go to it, go through it as well you know and it was up for game of the year this year um it did not win game of the year but it was it was on the list and so we made sure we brought some in and everybody that's played it so far has been very happy with it it's it's kind of a cool little game that was from our friends over at uh the cosmos so mm-hmm. yeah. i also want to give a shout out just to red raccoon for your stuffed animal collection <laughs> from uh, the Squishables to any of the other Xterra plushies that you have, uh, there's a wide assortment of fun and crazy critters that you can adopt into your life and have very low maintenance needs for. Well, part of a we we you know part of our we identified a long time ago that we wanted to make the store uh, very inclusive and and not strictly male-centric, right? We wanted to, to invite people wherever they were in their personal journeys to have some place they could be safe and welcome. And um, that also meant diversifying the range of products that we added to add things that other people wanted. And so um, we sell an amazing amount of of uh, fantasy themed stuffed animals and squishies or stuffies, I think is Kelly's fourth grader call them, call them stuffies. So, yeah, we got some really cool ones in because now they made official Dungeons and Dragons themed ones. So we said we got a mimic and an owlbear and the displacer beast is my favorite one because his tentacles are have a wire in them. So they're posable Aww. and he's got all six paws and he's got a mouse in his mouth. It's like a displacer beast kitten. I just awed a displacer beast, which I think should be a, a testament to it. Um, no, they're adorable anyway. Yes, but from the plague doctors <laughs> to like the white plague doctors to plague nurse. Death, the plague, plague nurse, nurse, excuse me. If you never notice, the plague doctor and the plague nurse are holding their lanterns in opposite hands, so therefore you can put them on the shelf so they're like holding hands together. And I believe their lanterns glow in the dark. They do. They do. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. They're super So cute. definitely come in and check those out. But uh, we hope to see you in the store. Thank you so much for listening and keep on playing. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.